good start. There. Let's do it. <laughs> waiting for <laughs> Waiting for the beat to come out of my head. <laughs> waiting for the to be right. Days, a gaming podcast. I'm Chris. I'm John. And we are two self-employed gamers who have been having the same conversation about video games for the past 28 years. And we decided to start a podcast about to share it with you. You're welcome. You're so very welcome. <laughs> uh, on today's show, or this week's show, uh, as it is a weekly podcast, um, I'm going to cry for a moment about the Rockets losing last night. Very sad. Very sad. The end of the NBA season. And then I'm going to celebrate a little bit of Blood Bowl winning. Uh, anyways, we got some updates. What's going to happen? Section one, uh, section two. Chris has a whole segment on wasting time in games and how some developers decide that you don't need an hour of your life to have fun. You can do really boring menial tasks. Yeah, and then loading screens galore, right? Oh, they're well. That's fine <laughs> compared to what I'm going to bring up. Oh shit. Okay. Uh, and then finally, we're going to talk a little bit about DreamHack, because Chris and I are both going to be attending the uh, Austin, Texas DreamHack event this weekend uh, for three days. and uh, So much gaming, so much esports. I intend to embarrass myself, and uh, yeah, it should be great. Hey, embarrassment is part of the fun. <laughs> I suppose so. All right. So, let's talk about... Very briefly, because this is not a sports podcast, this is a gaming podcast, Fact. although we did talk about sports games last last week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the Rockets play. <laughs> it's very enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we wrote down, wrote down the word enthusiasm on our notes here to make sure we you know, don't trail off and start talking. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so Rockets versus Warriors. Um, we were the number one seed uh, and possibly the best team in the NBA this year, and uh, we were going up against the Rockets. I mean, they're, they're Warriors. The Warriors, and uh, who are also one of the best. Actually, teams. that's actually a fair point. We actually kind of went up against ourselves. Is how we lost. <laughs> that's you know what you're right. That is how we lost. So some people out there have been blaming the bad officiating, trying to say that oh the refs called certain things for the Warriors, and it was like just enough points that they had changed this one or this call, whatever. Uh, point being is there no pun, no pun intended. No, okay, okay. Uh, but. Point being, <laughs> point being, intended that time uh, that the uh, Rockets would have won if it wasn't for the bad officiating, and unfortunately, um, I disagree with that because if we had been playing like we should have been playing, if we'd been hitting our three pointers, even without Chris Paul, uh, I still think we we wouldn't have been in that situation in the first place. We wouldn't have to worry about counting how many points the refs cost us. Ultimately, the Rockets, if they were playing like they should have been playing. The real problem is we went 0 for 27 on three-pointers to start the second half. Yeah. That's and, the game. Yeah, and I after, mean, we, we were one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league this year. Yeah, there's, there's like, nothing else to it. Yeah, that's that's really about it, yeah. <laughs> so on to other news. Yeah, all right, so that's it. We're sad. Uh, hopefully next year will be better. We're, we're going to talk about something else that's also yeah. kind of sad from also, the perspective of a... Actually, before we jump to that, okay. I am going to say there's one other thing I do okay. want to mention. Okay, what is it? The fact that we've got Warriors versus the Cavs again in the finals. I've already... I posted this. I've already been seeing this all over the place. Uh, like, no one gives a shit. Yeah, the NBA season's over. It's the know. third time these two Fourth teams time. have met. Fourth time in they've met. It's, it, it's so boring. Yeah. So let's talk about not boring things. Okay, so this is exciting. <laughs> I just saw this uh, earlier today. PUBG, you know, mm-hmm. PUBG, the big Battle Royale game that kind of started this whole thing. You yeah. know, Fortnite, the one that's a bigger version of PUBG, right? Yes. 
PUBG is suing Epic over Fortnite. Oh, shit. Are you serious? They are suing them. I don't know exactly what their claim is to this. It looks like some of it was based on the UI that's used in Fortnite, but also just general mechanics. Even though Battle Royale is an idea that's existed since Battle Royale, the book and movie that is (laughs) 10 plus years old. Uh, Never mind that. Never mind that. They're suing them over this game. But what's really funny... What's really cool, the last time that this happened, that somebody decided to sue Epic mm-hmm. over breach of contract or just something in general, uh, Epic turned around and countersued that company because that company was using Unreal, the Unreal Engine and using assets that Epic owned because Epic owns the Unreal Engine. Yeah. Uh, so they countersued Epic One against this other developer who sued them in the first place and basically shut down that company entirely. Who was it? Uh, the name was Silicon Knights. They're making a game called Two Human. Wait, I'd recognize that name. Yeah, well, they're dead. Because <laughs> they decided to try to sue Epic. Epic. yeah. And PUBG also uses Unreal Assets. So it would be really interesting if Epic is able to find some sort of breach of contract to actually go counter-sue PUBG after PUBG initiated this whole thing to begin with. Well, I would expect people of PUBG would know about the previous case, and I'm assuming... You haven't played the game, have you? <laughs> it's a buggy mess. I would be surprised if they even know how to make a game. I played it, I with... mean, I played it on mobile, and it was it was, it was was alright. We'll see what happens. The game is super buggy. It doesn't give me a lot of uh, inspiration or confidence that they know what they're doing. <laughs> okay, never mind. So that's pretty exciting. <laughs> Just amusing to me. That is amusing. Shit. Okay, well, I guess we'll have to follow that as we go along. Yeah, I thought that was kind of fun. Not that we, not like, it's the news desk, the news sick days. Right, right. Just just, just, just a quick update, a little little bit of history lesson for you. Uh, me, just to do my quick, like, weekly games with Blood Bowl 2. Uh, last week I talked about how the game got delayed, and I lost my first one. Blood Bowl 2 is the Gorehammer football mashup where I have my team, uh, the Bogus Journeyman. Based on one of my favorite movies, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Solid uh, movie. Yeah, solid movie. And uh, we won this time, and I did not have five players die, which is awesome. <laughs> uh, and actually, it's the last time I talked about how statistically unlikely it is, and I actually went and did the math this time. So in order to, you know, if, you, if a player dies in a match, they're gone. So for the rest of the rest of the season, just that's it. complete permadeath. I got it's permadeath. I got to mm-hmm. replace that player. So fortunately, they were all kind of newbie players, but so. When you're going after someone to to hit them, if you're if your character is next to one of their characters, you roll a dice to see if you can hit them. It's about a fifty percent chance, depending unless sure. unless you've got higher strength, you could roll. Let's just say fifty percent. Let's say fifty percent, right? And then uh, if you hit them, then you roll to see if you break their armor. That's about a twenty-seven percent chance on average, right? Okay. Uh, if you break their armor, then you roll to see uh, what kind of injury they get, and that's about a twenty-five percent chance to cause a. Uh, a major injury that talk, knocks them out of the game, right? And so enough player leaves the game, then you roll what kind of major injury they got, right? which is a 16.67% chance of death. So you put all that together, and on the low end, there's like a half a percent chance to kill somebody. So if somebody hits another player, yeah. there's a half percent chance that that hit will result in a death. Yeah, and, it, and I would guess if I had to go the other route, maybe... Maybe up to one to two percent chance. Okay, so somewhere between a half to two percent yeah. of a hit, and you had that happen five times. I in had the match. that happen five times. Right, that's a lot of times. That's like, apparently the record is eight. Oh, so I so you're actually like beginner league here, like bush first, league. You, you're not game. even 
You're not even well, no, barely halfway there. No, sorry, I mean, the come re- on. The record of most characters dying in a Blood Bowl met a Blood Bowl 2. Now, it's totally unconfirmed, just what somebody told me. But I was like, yeah, sure, you know what you're talking the about. The myth, the legend, yeah. the eight deaths. It said someone had eight deaths in a, in a game of Blood Bowl. So I feel like in my very first game, I was more than halfway there. Yeah, there you you're doing good. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's Blood Bowl 2. I got another game tonight against the league commissioner. Probably going to lose, but... The I, guy who actually knows what he's doing? Yeah, although the guy I went up against last week uh, was supposed to be the second best team in the league. So I'm feeling Damn. I'm feeling a little confident. You're, you're learning fast. Yeah, bogus journeymen are doing well. We're doing well. Get on that Blood Bowl pro scene soon. <laughs> so... Uh, the only so you're gonna you're gonna like this next one. Um, <laughs> uh, lineage two music. All right, I've been I've made it to what level 180, which was originally the level cap until you know, two weeks ago when the major you know major patch came out. Yeah, it's kind levels of, are a dime a dozen in lineage. So we've been we've been talking about how grindy this game is, how all South Korean MMOs are super grindy, so grindy, so, and the uh, grindiest of grinds. I'm starting to starting to yeah. feel a yeah. little <laughs> yeah. you are hyped up today. <laughs> oh, I'm so hyped up. I'm ready to say I hate lineage. I want you to say it. I'm not there yet. God, but I'm you're getting soulful. there. I'm thinking I'm even, looking into your soul and I'm seeing the, the hate rising. Even my other clanmates are all like, Man, this is this is really grindy. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think the conclusion was going to be of this 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 endeavor? I just want to get to level two sixty now, that's all. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> All right, that's nah. that's all I got. That's all I got for lineage two outro music. Good. All right, that's a that is a very encouraging segment. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm very like, glad to hear that. Anything. Yeah, no, I still like that's the game. a very short segment, and it was focused on hatred. <laughs> still, it's just something something about it, man. It's cool. There's another mobile game out there for you. It's I'll find somewhere. It. Yeah, I'll replace this one with something else at some point. But we're not there yet. No, you should try. Fire Emblem Heroes. We talked about it a little bit last week. It's pretty good as far as that's, mobile games that's go. It's a fighting fighter game. It's not a fighting game. It's a oh. Fire Emblem is a you know tactical RPG that's on the Nintendo platform. Okay. And they've got a mobile version of it that's actually pretty fun and pretty good mobile oriented. You oh. kind of build up your characters. I mean, it's kind of typical microtransaction. Uh, Free coin. It's free to play. You get free currency, so you can slowly build up stuff, or you can buy stuff and get them more quickly. But they've got these kind of neat little challenges. I wouldn't say it's nearly as complex as a normal Fire Emblem game, Mm -hmm. but for a mobile game, it's pretty spot on. Okay. Yeah, because I do play a lot of mobile games. Mm -hmm. All All right, right. for that. Uh, What else you got? I got. I had a. So I had a little bit of a gamers weekend. Okay. Because my wife Rachel went out of town. Hey. And I haven't had time the past couple months to just really sit down and play a whole lot of video games. I've kind of been doing like an hour here, an hour there as time allows during the week. So you but got, you gotta binge. But I got a binge in and right. it was good. So I'm gonna lightning round kind of everything that I did real quick. <laughs> and then finish off with a game that I, I took off of my my backlog because it was not good. Uh oh. Okay, so first played Shadow Tactics, got another mission or two in. Game is still good, and I think I've solidified the point that we talked about last week of so Shadow Tactics is a that isometric strategy stealth game, mm-hmm. control of between one to five people trying to sneak your way and accomplish some sort of mission. Right. Right. Uh, it has unlike other games of that sort of look, doesn't have a pause feature. And that is something that I realized is Good and bad. At its height, it's really cool because you get all this tension, mm-hmm. and at its low, you just waste a lot of time, which sucks, and will be coming up later in the segment. Really? Okay. 
I also play, but it's still generally a good game. I'm still happy with it. I'm, I'm definitely going to finish it. Still top 50. De- definitely looking top 50. Yeah. I think it's going to be at the bottom of the top 50, but still top 50. So it might get knocked out. Pretty good. It might get knocked out. I got you. Played Ultima 7. Wait. Ultima 7. Really? This what? game is 20 years old. Oh, shit. Played some Ultima 7. <laughs> what brought that on? I have it on my top 50 because I just have a lot of nostalgia for it. Okay. And it still does a lot of things really well that other games don't do. So far, my biggest complaint is the font. The <laughs> font in the game is so horrible to read. It's, it has this medieval gothic yeah, flair right. to it. That's just atrocious and unreadable. <laughs> and there's a decent amount of text in the game because you can ask characters about their job, what they do for a living, just these random characters you don't care about. Right. But that's actually what's really cool about the game is it creates this living, breathing world more so than a lot of other games that have come after it. Okay. And so I haven't done a lot in the game, but it was kind of fun to play for 20 minutes and relive the nostalgia a little bit, and I'll be going back through it. And remind me, did Ultima 7 come out before or after Ultima Online? It came out before. Before, okay. Yeah. That's the one I'm thinking of. Then. It was yeah. all before. Yeah. Ultima 7 is the peak of the Ultima series. All right. That's that's a bold <laughs> statement. Uh, it's not. It's That's accurate. <laughs> I mean, it, it, of the single-player games. You oh. could argue Ultima Online is better than Ultima 7. But yeah, of the single-player game. games, Ultima 7 is clearly the best. I got you. Uh, I played, started this game called Technomancer, or The Technomancer. I've seen that on... It's uh, actually sort of a sequel to Mars Warlogs, okay. which is a game I said wasn't up to snuff Yeah, you stopped several playing weeks it, right? ago. I stopped playing it. This is a better version of it, essentially. When you say sort of a sequel, do you mean like... So it's in the actual... same world. But okay. the story doesn't directly follow. Okay. But uh, I think it takes place some, like, 100 years after the first one. And the Technomancer, it's an action RPG. You have a party of two other people that will join you. And like other action RPGs, you know, you go around, you kill stuff, you dodge things, you use abilities that have limited uses, and you kind of go through the world doing whatever sort of quests you're doing, right? Right. The thing I actually like about it so far, you have three different stances. And the first stance is your staff-wielding stance, and you have a bunch of AoE attacks. Your second is a kind of roguelike one where you have a dagger and a gun. Mm -hmm. And your third is a tank stance where you have a shield and a mace. And they all have sort of slightly different abilities. You have a tree that you, like other RPGs, you ascend on, you get better skills for. But switching between all three of them is very seamless in combat. So you can kind of mix and match tactics in a battle that... Makes it, at least so far, two hours in, pretty enjoyable, uh, especially compared to the previous game, which the combat got pretty repetitive pretty quickly. Okay. So I'm liking that so far, and we'll see how long it lasts, but, it but, but it's lasted longer than the first game. Okay, that's good. We'll so see if that it becomes a recommendation. That's an improvement. Uh, I also play a lot of fighting games, of course. I, I'm practicing my Tekken for oh, yeah, this upcoming tournament. It's this weekend. This weekend. I'm feeling, feeling pretty decent. There's still a few things to go over, touch up on, but... But we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Uh, and lastly, I played this game called Stories Path of Destinies. It oh. is also an action RPG. Okay. It uh, follows an anthropomorphic set of characters. Your main character is a fox. Oh, sure. Uh, not normally into uh, animals as main characters. Like, I hated Watership Down. I don't know if you remember reading that yeah. in elementary school. I didn't like it. <laughs> so even back then, I didn't like Animals being main characters. <laughs> I didn't like Redwall. It's such like a specific thing to not like. I, yeah, and it's <laughs> and actually, and the funny thing is that didn't bother me in this game. Somehow it worked better here. Well, yeah. So you did this. So that's not the thing that bothered me. 
the thing that bothered me is the combat is horribly, horribly repetitive. It was basically just clicking on things over and over. I and mean, what can a fox but, really do anyway? I, uh, I just click on things, I guess. Okay, there you <laughs> that's, go. that's his thing. He, he knows this little sword that he dashes around with. It has, oh, it, it, it's I sort see. of it's like a Diablo feel to it. It's not like as if if Diablo is more action oriented with mm-hmm. the clicking and not just holding down click. I'm imagining like a cartoony kids version of Diablo where you play a fox. Yeah, certainly the visuals were very cartoony. Okay, yeah. And the visuals were well done. Uh, a lot of it, the narration was also incredibly well done in the game. Yeah. Uh, but the combat is just so boring. You, I played it for an hour. I fought two different types of enemies the whole time. Or three. Mm-hmm. But they weren't very interesting or different from one another to the point where I'm really radically changing my tactics. Still feel like I'm basically clicking around. Uh, the progression was pretty crappy. So while it wasn't really that fun to play, it does have a cool choose-your-own-adventure element to it. Wait, how do you mean? There's a lot of story choices you get to make throughout the game. So I played it for a little over an hour, and I beat the game. But there's 24 endings in the game. Oh, wow. So you're going to go through it multiple times. And during that hour-long stint, I made four different story choices. So my way of going about it was, I can either rescue my friend, or I can go after this crazy artifact. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not. I'm going to go after the artifact. we got to defeat this evil empire, going all the way. And then you can either finish off the artifact or go help some other people. And you're like, no, I'm finishing this artifact. We're going all the way. Okay. And then the enemy is saying, hey, this artifact's actually going to destroy the world. Can you go talk to this person instead? And I said, no, we're going to use this <laughs> artifact and do whatever it takes. And then, anyway, the world blew up, essentially. I think everything froze over, and that was the end of the game. So you destroyed the world. Yeah, well, it just froze it a lot. Sounds all right. Well, so it was, it was pretty great. I've been hunting for a game. I know we've talked before, you know, outside the podcast about, you know, and, and on the podcast about finding, you know, one of those games where it really has that, that true, like, kind of, well, choose your own adventure, I guess is the simplest way to put it. Um, like that was my complaint about Dragon Age I brought up a few episodes ago. Is it was billed as this huge kind of sprawling world they've created that you get to in- interact with in a way that you choose when in reality you had an intro and then it puts you on rails essentially for the rest of the game. Um, so it sounds like this one is a, is a little different. It's a little different, but the difference between this and something like Dragon Age, Dragon Age has this giant world of lore that you can get really invested in. You have characters you really care about. You have story you're elements. Story. You're playing a big story, and there's it's more of a actual novel that you're living through. This, when I say choose your own adventure, I mean it in the also in the sense of you don't really care about the narrative that much. I don't know if you've really played any choose your own adventures where you really cared about the story by the end of it because I haven't. Yeah. When I read those books, it's just sort of a slight little fun romp and then it's said and done. Oh, this silly little thing happened or this happened. That's basically what was occurring in this. I didn't care about the greater story. The characters have no depth whatsoever to them. It's just a kind of fun little thing you can play through. But because the gameplay wasn't that good, Mm -hmm. it didn't hold my interest long enough that I was going to finish it. So I was happy to do the one playthrough, be done. Mm -hmm. And I have taken one game off of my backlog. There you go. Very, feels very good. The weight is lifted from my shoulders. (laughs) It's a productive weekend. Very productive weekend. (laughs) And that was uh, my gaming weekend. Had a really good time. Played way more than I've played in any three-day stretch of time for the past several months. All right. Yeah, it's been a while since I've been able to sit down and just binge on a game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, I binged on five. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Uh, well, last thing I got before we go to break, um, I went and saw Solo yesterday, the new Han Solo movie. Okay. Um, Good old Star Wars. And you have not seen Deadpool 2 yet. So we and I'm going to see it probably yeah. on Thursday. So we can talk about it next time. So we'll talk about it next time. Um, are you going to see Solo in the theater? I'm not going to see Solo. Okay. You, you're a Star Wars fan? I am a... Star Wars is okay, fan. All right, then I, 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 don't, I don't love Star Wars. I'm kind of tired of it. Then I would recommend not seeing Solo. Uh, okay. It's it's like if you if you're definitely a fan of Star Wars, then and you're not going to spoil anything here. Uh, no, 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 I'm not going to spoil anything. Okay. Yeah. So if you're definitely a fan of Star Wars, you're going to like the movie. I mean, it's it, it feels a lot like Rogue One, although Rogue One was an amazing movie, and Solo is is good. Is okay. It's fine. Yeah, it's like okay it to good. It gets the job done. But if you're a fan of Star Wars, a lot of cool stuff in there. I, I will say that uh, Donald Glover's version of Lando Calrissian is like perfect. Uh, it's super, super cool to watch. Yeah, and then also Donald Glover is a great actor. Yeah, he does a fantastic job with it. And then also with the uh, the guy that got to play the young Han Solo, it's it's like a spot on young Han Solo. I was I thought it was great. So um, casting director did their job. Yeah, the cast is is right on. They did cast, uh, was it Amelia Clark as, who plays Daenerys? The Mother of Dragons? Yeah, Daenerys Targaryen on the Game Chilea? of Thrones show. No, no, okay. no. no. <laughs> Leia's not. They don't meet till late. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, they could have, they could have had Leia in Is there. Is that Leia? They could have had Leia in there. She, oh, I don't, was she born yet? Yeah, I guess she was just been like a kid. I don't uh, know. Oh, that's true. She would have been pretty young. Yeah. That's so, a fair point. No, she plays another, another character. It's kind of interesting, but. I've never, man, I hate, I hate to talk trash about her. I've never liked her in anything outside of Game of Thrones. I don't know what I've seen her in besides Game of Thrones. So I don't really have much to say. Uh, it's just never been, well, anyways. Mm. All right, well, that's that's all I got. So Next, Solo, eh. It, it's, I Unless would, you love Star Wars. Yeah, if, you, if you're not like really into Star Wars, I would not recommend. I mean, go see it at some point. Just don't spend money in the theater on it. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's only so much time in the world, though. Yeah, it's like one of those. If it comes up on Netflix and you're bored, it's you're, and you're not gonna hate it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> this is a resounding recommendation. I, I love not hating things. Yeah. <laughs> That'll do it for this segment. Yeah, let's call it. And then um, we'll come back talking about wasting time in games. Yes. Yeah, All right. Great time. to part two of our podcast. Yep, I'm going to be talking about wasting time here. Uh, had some big complaints over some games that I was playing over the past couple weeks, and it kind of manifested in a segment I wanted to talk about, where a lot of games have these features that ostensibly add length to the game, but really just waste your life in a horrible, horrible fashion. Jeez. Uh, so awful. Uh, one of the big uh, parts of it is travel in games. Okay. Tends to waste a lot of time. Uh, pretty big offenders are these party-based RPGs, the isometric ones like Wasteland 2, Baldur's Gate 2, or two that come to mind with a lot of backtracking going from point A to point B on a map in a place that you've already been to. So you've already seen the world, you've already seen what's interesting in the map, but you have to slowly meander from one place on the map down to the tavern or whatever the heck you're going to to talk to this guy to progress right. a quest. So you're talking about, just to clarify, it's, it's um, and to use Baldur's Gate as an example, there's that one tavern you go visit pretty often, um, and every time you go there, you have to 
once you travel to that map, you just have to wait for like 30 seconds for your characters yeah, to cross the map. Yeah, there's nothing else to do. Okay. But just, fair. so what I end up doing, I have cheats enabled in Baldur's Gate 2 so I can teleport around the map. Okay. That's the only way that I can deal with the absolute insanity that is walking from point A to point B, achieving nothing in yeah. between. Because when we were talking about this earlier, my first point of confusion was like, well, the purpose of that is to have new encounters or find things you may have missed or, you know, they force you to walk to, you know, not waypoint, not waypoint. Somewhere yeah. else. You, you know what I'm trying to say, I think. So sometimes you do get new encounters, uh, like the first time you enter, or like the second time you enter a map or third time, or after a certain moment in the story, something might happen. Yeah. But there's other ways of achieving that than forcing you to randomly walk and just say, oh, in the middle of your walk, you happen to find a vampire that wants to kill you in the middle of the night. Yeah, cool, that's great, but mm -hmm. I had to walk through this place back and forth ten times in order to get one moment of the game. You could have just had a cutscene while you're traveling from mm -hmm. one place to the other in the overworld map. There's way better ways to achieve that. As opposed to the whole, like, you're talking about, like, a time-specific event. Like, if you're passing through this map at midnight, then you'll encounter something you would normally encounter. Sure, and, that, yeah. Yeah, and that's yeah. one way that you could try to excuse it, is what I'm saying. But okay. even then, I'm saying that's not worth it. It's a bad way to implement it's that. It's just not a good use of time, because for the most part, you're just... I mean, you're having to give away ten minutes to maybe have some interesting encounter... Yeah. Later on in the game, which you probably aren't going to have because most games don't have those timed events on every single map. Right. Uh, Wasteland 2, actually, at some point, I remember distinctly last time I played it. Wasteland 2 is a very good game, but when I was going through on a second playthrough about, I don't know, six months or so ago, there was a point where I had to go back and forth because I'm trying to negotiate a peace between these two tribes in the world, right? Okay. Uh, everything is cleared. I'm literally just going back and forth talking to people. I got sick of it after doing it three times and just shut off the game. I haven't played it since. <laughs> Seriously. I'm so sick of it. It's such a menial, pointless endeavor. I don't understand why it's in the game. Is, when, there, is there like a fast travel between the two points, or is it just you have, you to, have, cross to, you have to cross each individual map? You have to cross each individual map. So it's basically the map that it's on is four maps that are stitched together. Right. So there is fast travel in the game to go from sort of a fast travel component of the game. But when maps are stitched together in the way it is in Wasteland, yeah. you can't do anything between those segments. So you have to very irritating. each map. So if they had quick time, travel yeah. to go to major points, totally would have solved it. It would have been fine, but that's not in the game. Why? Who knows? <laughs> Stupid design. It's the only thing I can think of. Uh, Pat, Pillars of Eternity uh, 1 and 2 do a good job of kind of solving that by okay. there's a out-of-combat running speed. It's very fast, so clearing a map is at least relatively easy, and it still sort of allows for encounters if you want to have something random pop up. Right. I think quick travel is better once you've already gotten to a place, but at least it's kind of a nice middle ground between the two. Mm -hmm. uh, I just don't understand the point. <laughs> yeah, you know, and plus you throw in, like, between when you have maps that are stitched together, there's a loading screen that has to occur between each one as it loads up the new, the new map. Sure. And uh, I do remember... We're just going to call our podcast the Baldur's Gate 2 podcast. <laughs> so mean, Baldur's Gate 2 is a fantastic game. So, <laughs> but there's I'm a lot of bitch things. about this. Yeah. Um, it's not perfect. It's not perfect. Yeah, and back on my my the computer, I played it on initially. You know, it took time to load those screens. So yeah, you're right. You know, running between a whole bunch of stitched together maps that you can't necessarily fast travel between. 
you also have to wait for it to load each time you transition. Sure. Uh, that sucked. Yes. I guess so. Yeah. Loading times are always annoying. And at least now, I mean, Baldur's Gate 2 loading times back in the day probably weren't the best. At least yeah. now on modern computers, it's pretty quick. It's pretty quick. Because yeah. the game's not that intensive. Well, that's, and that's one reason I'm going to bring up Skyrim too, because uh, I'm curious, although, we, you know, we did talk about this earlier to set up, totally setting this segment up. But, hey, Chris. What do you think about walking in Skyrim? Uh, yeah, so we briefly talked about it, kind of going over the segment together. Yeah. Walking in Skyrim is fine the first time you walk through stuff. I'm not a big fan of Skyrim, but I think the way that it handles moving around mm-hmm. and travel is very well done. You go from point A to point B the first time, and there's a lot of stuff in the world. There's always just so much stuff to do in a Bethesda game. That is one thing that they do well. Is yeah throw content and all these nooks and crannies. So the way to find those things is to walk from point A to point B. And the first time you walk through stuff, things in games, is fine. Especially if it's a well-made, handcrafted world. It's just the second and the third and the fourth. You've already seen these things. Mm -hmm. I don't want to, like, walk from point A to point B in my real life every day over and over. I've seen these things. It's the same thing in a video game. Uh, In Skyrim, you get to enable lots of quick travel points on the map whenever you get somewhere new. There are a lot of fast travel points, but there is still some of that, like in certain towns, just running between buildings a hundred times. You know, that's, that can is be- that due to quests, or is that due to buying uh, stuff? Why do you do that? I, don't, I haven't played enough that that became a big issue to me. And the towns are relatively small in Skyrim. Yeah, some of them are. Well, to be fair, part of it was also me being kind of being a little grindy, like working on blacksmithing skill, for instance, you'll run in and buy a bunch of stuff and then run back out and do it. Then, you know, blacksmith, then run back in, sell a bunch of stuff, fast fast travel through the night, come back, you know, repeat. So Developing some of the skills can be kind of grindy. Right, that's a little grindy. I, you know, but it, you know, the reason why I bring up Skyrim 2 is in that game, I did my last playthrough, I forced myself to walk everywhere because I figured, you know, you're not... I would not do that. If you're not, if you're a fully armored, you know, a mercenary, you're not going to be sprinting all day long. I mean, if you're a badass, you will be. <laughs> it doesn't make if you're sense. a good enough warrior. <laughs> it's like, you're not always running, right? So I bet I, Conan the Barbarian was just sprinting everywhere back in his day. Well, that was Arnold, right? So it's, <laughs> He knew what he was doing. Yeah. Uh, he was a man. So I was like, I, I just, I took, I forced myself to walk, and which seems a little crazy, but what was cool there is uh, it forced me to really pay close attention to the world that they had built. And to add some context to this, I did mod it recently, you know, with, um, on the, I played on the PlayStation most recently, right? So they had released a whole bunch of mods, or they made, they gave you access to the mods. And so I had, like, the thing that added a whole bunch of tree, extra trees. Do you have all the same mods as you do on the PC? On uh, PS4? The PC has a much broader spectrum of mods. You have um, approved mods or something available right. on PS4? Right, yeah. So they can't have, you can't have, like, X-rated bots. Seems reasonable. Right. It's, I think of, like, the fallen, there's a fallen tree mod, which just adds trees that have fallen over, which, surprisingly enough, adds a lot of flavor. It does. Yeah. I mean, the like, world is a little stagnant at default in some places in Skyrim. I, I would, yeah, maybe some places. I wouldn't say it's bad, but the, the mods, things like adding more conversations for NPCs, realistic reactions to NPCs, so they're, they're Lives. Those are all big positives. Yeah. So by dumping all those mods onto it and then just spending your time walking through places, you really see a whole lot of stuff that in my previous playthroughs I just like sprinted past and just didn't pay attention to. And so walking through it forced me to appreciate the art of the game itself, if that makes sense. And I think that is not a waste of time because you are appreciating the art of the game. You're getting immersed in this world, and that's bringing you in. And immersion is a big component of what drives me to play a lot of games. So you're specifically talking about times when it's not really, there's no 
real immersion I mean, or art to appreciate. You're just like, I got to get through this map to this next map to this next map to just say and It's not interesting. And, and yeah. in your example of you're walking around going places, you're walking around, did you walk back and forth on those same routes? Or is it you walk through the one time slowly, you got to the place, and then you didn't traverse that route again? No, no. I Sometimes it was me walking back and forth. But, but that was also because... In Skyrim, they, especially in some of the towns with the mods, to be fair, the world just felt alive enough where, like, it wasn't, you know, just because you walk through the same space, it's, again, different things are happening. I, I will say the big thing is that they offer you the ability to quick travel. Yeah. So if you like doing what you're doing, walking through, which I'm sure some people are listening to this segment saying, it's fine walking back and forth in Baldur's Gate yeah. and Wasteland and everything. Okay. And if you enjoy that, <laughs> Whatever, I don't care. <laughs> Masochist. <laughs> yeah, I I don't understand it, but sure, that's your thing. That's fine. But developers have to offer an option because that is a waste of time yes. to force you to travel between points because there is not content. They haven't made content there yeah. for you to indulge in. They can't force you to just do stupid menial tasks, especially now when there's so many good games that wasting an hour here and there adds up to several games that you're not going to get to play over your lifespan because you've just spent them doing menial, stupid tasks. That's the long view right there. Yeah, I mean, gotta gotta look long view Yeah, here. okay. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're totally right. So that's the travel side of things. What else well, we got? Well, one other component oh, one of travel is uh, Metroidvania games are also horrible offenders of this. These so, are side-scrolly. So Metroidvania games are like, you know, the newer Castlevania games. Hollow Knight is a really big one that came out relatively recently. These games make you, yeah, they're sort of side-scroller type games, uh, but you go from stage to stage, screen to screen. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll find areas that are completely inaccessible because you don't have the right ability, you don't have the right item, you haven't beat the right boss. Something hasn't transpired that lets you get to this area. Mm -hmm. And you go and you play for another hour and you get whatever that item is. And then you have to go back, walking, <laughs> to whatever this point is, to then unlock whatever stupid thing that you're now able to unlock. So the way of getting back there never in any of these games allows you to just quick travel to any individual point in the game. Right. You have to actually go to whatever the closest point is, remember wherever it was you're supposed to be. Some of the better games at least have a note system so you can not worry about the memory part, but you're right. still having to walk back. It's not hard to do that. You just move and jump and kill the same enemies you've killed a hundred times to get back to this point to get something that you should have been able to get immediately upon achieving whatever that item was you got, whatever okay. bosses you beat, right? The act of acquiring the item and going back to unlock something is not an interesting game mechanic. At least not in those kind of games, right? It's not an interesting game oh, mechanic. period. Okay. Period. What about, like, Super Mario? Like the, the SNES and yes. N64. Some of the later Mario games, if I remember correctly, had mechanics where later would, like skills you would get later in the game or buttons you'd unlock or something. There are different stages where you might have to go back so you could unlock a certain level. Um, but playing through the level was a little bit different in those cases because you have a short element of having to go back and then you're done. Mm -hmm. uh, the elements in these Metroidvania games are very long and convoluted to get back to anywhere. Uh, Mario makes it very simple to just do the one thing you need to do and then go on to the next point. Yeah, and like the map is just, a, it's a very well overlaid map that you can quickly move around Absolutely. in. And there's no stitch together levels, so once you go into place, it's just a single thing. So to get back somewhere, it's actually really simple. Right, so I don't have any complaints That's on it. that. It's, it's these Metroidvania games where you have to 
find something that unlocked something you've already seen before, I don't understand the point of just literally adding travel. That's the only gameplay element you're adding is traveling back and forth with these unlocks. And a lot of people I know like the Metroidvania and they like this element of getting things and unlocking stuff that's done in the past. Mm -hmm. But I think there's a better way of handling it where you could just have a quick travel to these points. Maybe you have five teleports that you can drop throughout the map and not let you come back to them later. Mm -hmm. Something that is not so absolutely mind-numbingly annoying <laughs> is what they currently have in these games. And that's a big reason why a lot of these Metroidvania games I strongly dislike. It's purely because of this extra travel element. But they're wildly popular games. They're, they're very popular. Okay. I mean, they're niche wildly popular. <laughs> you know, there's only so, there's not a ton of these games, but at least not a lot of really well-received ones. Honestly, I'm speculating about how wildly popular yeah, they are. They seem popular. They're popular enough. Okay. I just don't understand the appeal of those aspects. There are a lot of really cool aspects of those games, but the travel makes it so awful that I don't want to play them. I stopped playing Hollow Knight, even though it's a pretty good game combat-wise mm -hmm. and control-wise and atmosphere. There's so much that's good about it, but there's so much backtracking. I just couldn't stand it anymore. So I put it down, done with it. Uh, so it's just this travel in games of you don't have to force people to go back through things they've already seen multiple times, mm -hmm. you can just say, hey, quit travel to this point, or here's new content, or completely change what the content yeah. was if you're going to force someone to travel back through them. Ooh, I've got another example, Master. Okay. Dark Souls. Dark Souls, the big difference there is that it's ingrained in what the game is. So Dark Souls is about going through this challenge and being able to make it all the way through mm -hmm. without dying, right? I mean, that's that's sort of the goal. So, something like that, or Super Meat Boy is this game that's very, <laughs> very challenging. I'm sorry, what? Super Meat Boy. Okay, uh, sure. It's, it's a very good game. Uh, very, very difficult platformer. Uh, you basically have these levels that are 30 seconds, a minute long, but you have to have intense focus to get through them because there's traps flying around, death around every corner, you're constantly timing your jumps correctly to get through it. So you do have to go through this content multiple times, but it becomes a level of mastery just to get through it. Sweet. And that mastery uh, is a very rewarding experience for a lot of people. If you're seeing your skills grow, you're like, oh, I have no idea how I'm going to do this the first time. And then when you finally beat it 20 tries later, you look back and you say, wow, that was really... Really damn impressive that I did this. Okay, I could see that. I could see why people would disagree with you on that one as well. But Sure, I mean, those games aren't uh, for people. But if you are someone that likes to be challenged and overcome those challenges, yeah. it's a very rewarding experience. But traveling is not a rewarding experience if you've already seen everything there is to see and there's no difficulty associated with it. That's true. And the nice thing with Dark Souls, though, it's same. I feel like it's got that same appeal that Skyrim had, is the art of the game. Absolutely. The atmosphere it's, is fantastic. It's amazing, yeah. So, Although I wish sometimes you could just kill the enemies enough times they would go away forever. You should play Dark Souls 2, because uh, that does happen. Well, I did play Dark Souls 2. Well, you didn't, didn't kill enough enemies. <laughs> Man. <laughs> I don't know what the number is. Uh, it's between 10 and 20. If you kill an enemy, it won't respawn anymore. That'd be great. I'd love that. So Dark Souls 2 is the only one that does that in this Because series. one issue I had with Dark Souls was I would have gotten to a point where I'm trying to get somewhere new and I have to go back to the same area the 50th time and it's the same damn enemies and they get me because I screw something up. And I'm like, come on, I gotta. I just wanted to travel through here. I'm, I'm trying to get some new content. You know what many Dark Souls veterans have told other Dark Souls players? Huh. Get good. <laughs> Fine. Get good. Fine. All right, so that's, that's travel. So that's travel. The uh, next part is trivial content in games. 
trivial contents. One of the worst offenders in these FedEx quests. Quests where you have to go literally just from point A to point B. Oh, just take this I like take this take a lot of stew over to that character. Yeah, he really needs it to feed his daughter. I don't know, whatever the case is. Unrelated to the story. Unrelated to... And sometimes it can be related in this, to the story, which makes it even worse. Because <laughs> why? Like, Make a better game? I mean, what if it's like... Take, it's lazy. Take this magic sword to save the world to that guy over there. Then you should just have a cutscene where the guy delivers it and that's it. There's no reason to force the player to go through the motions of bringing it to that person. That's not interesting content. Okay. If it's important to the story, just make it a cutscene. That's totally fine. Okay. You can do trivial tasks in the grand scheme of the story if you somehow make it work. But don't force the player to do boring things. <laughs> that's what the point is here. When I was playing the Technomancer, we talked about earlier in the intro. Uh, so far I've liked it, but I did run into a FedEx quest pretty early where I had to bring some clothes to some other person that kind of helped them out with something. Mm -hmm. Not really that interesting. It ended up not being super important in the story. Maybe world building, it kind of helped a little bit, but all of it could have been accomplished by just easy cutscenes. There's no reason to make me go through all of this crap yeah. that they're too lazy to build an actual engaging content around. And so, FedEx quests just end up being a very lazy, easy way of doing stuff. He's like, and then like go for quests too. Yeah. Uh, go go for like ten mushrooms in the forest. Pick them and bring right. them back to me. Yeah. Right. So all of these quests don't really add a lot of fun. Yep. They don't typically add a lot of immersion. One example that comes to mind right away, and this relates to an article I just read the other day about how World of Warcraft had the first quest chains. And I think, and I forget the name of the podcast now, but I think the designer was on a podcast recently and talked about this. So basically, the way they designed World of Warcraft is the first MMORPG to come out with these with the chain quests, right? Which would, if you followed your gopher thing, it would at least take you somewhere new. And then this guy would say, hey, go for that, or FedEx this. And then you would it would at least like level you up at a rate that kind of brought you through the different content areas of the game, right? If you're going to do FedEx quests, that's the way to do it. But you're actually getting to traverse to somewhere new. So yeah. exploration actually gets built into that component. Yeah. As opposed to, okay, I've already seen these areas, and I have to go back and forth. You're not necessarily them. being sent back through places you've been through a hundred times. It's saying, okay, go to this new area, and it's really just a vehicle to get them to that other And area. I think that's a big distinction in them. If you have a quest that's just designed to make you go back and forth through the same content so they can lazily level you up and make yeah. you waste an hour, versus we're actually going to give you a whole new area to go through and to explore, yeah. that's way different and way more enjoyable. Exploring it can is super fun in a lot of games, yeah. and it helps with immersion and it helps introduce you to areas. And so I could see it working in that case. And obviously, World of Warcraft was hugely successful, and a big part of it was their quest design, moving away from grinding mobs mm -hmm. over and over. Oh, because it sucked you right in. You could never stop. Like just one more quest. Just right. One, one more, more quest. Well, I'm gonna find a new area. I'm gonna find a new thing. Yeah. You have all the Warcraft lore going on. Here's an important question for you. Why FedEx Quest and not UPS Quest or USPS? FedEx, FedEx sponsored the Quest design. Oh, I totally, <laughs> Obviously. I totally believe you. I don't know. Definitely but for some that. reason, FedEx Quest became Rolls the, up the, tongue well, the number. Yeah. yeah, that was just what they're called, is <laughs> FedEx Quest. FedEx. I guess they have the least number of syllables, so that was the easiest to say. Like UPS, USPS, DHL. FedEx only has two. Hey, here we are. John and Chris really answering the... Uh, yeah. The tough question. They have a better logo than the other people. <laughs> they have that cool arrow. You know, you know. I mean, like the arrow is part of it. I go look at the FedEx logo if you haven't. As, as much as I want to jokingly disagree with you, I think we should move off this topic. <laughs> Fact. <laughs> okay. 
But you brought up MMOs, I and did. one of the things that they also do with trivial content is grinding on mobs that are absolutely require no brain activity right. to be able to defeat, but just to level you up and get you to the next point. And you know, lineage is probably oh, yeah. super guilty of this. A Every lot of- day, I've got 10, 10 weekly quest. You there's a weekly quest you do. You get ten tries a day, and uh, each one is just go kill twenty of this monster. Right. Anyone can do over that. and over and over. And since it's auto, you just hit start, and then you just step away and watch your well, character do that. So that part's a little better that it's auto. Because you're not true. wasting your time. I go do I do other things. You go do other things. And in fact, I can actually, while it's doing that in the background, I can go through my skill tree, or I can look at my inventory, or I can talk to my client. Like you can do other things while your character's actually auto auto. So that's actually better than most MMOs because most MMOs require you to actually perform the activities yeah. yourselves and cast the stupid spells you've cast a hundred times on the same stupid enemy over <laughs> and over so you can get one more bar of experience point. I hear you're making a compliment about Lineage too. There is actually hey. that is a thing it does well. <laughs> and I think I think that's why it's having so much success is because it makes the act of grinding you still have to grind like crazy, but it's a lot more tolerable. So it's actually funny. I, I agree with that, uh, and a lot of MMOs are very bad about this, right? I have my MMO Bro website, so I'm pretty in tune with MMOs just in general. And the feedback I get on a lot of auto-leveling mm-hmm. or an auto-grinding systems is it's hated. People strongly dislike it. Now, this is more for desktop games because that's what I focus I on. I can see that. But, but yeah. people are like, why am I playing this game that's playing itself? Well, it's at least more interesting than playing a game that you could do in your sleep. Yeah. I think. Now, some people do kind of find a meditative activity rewarding and that I'm grinding on stuff and watching TV and like, right. kind of veg out. I can kind of understand that, but I still think that there's better ways of accomplishing that than accomplish- just doing the same task over yeah. and over. Just rote repetition is I mean, just not interesting. It kind of goes back to the whole why we talked about last week, why, why play games in the first place. And if you're looking for, you know, I can get it if somebody's had a really stressful day. They just want to kind of escape, chat with some friends online, and just go through some repetitive tasks. Right. right. I can see the appeal there. And maybe. kind of going back to uh, Skyrim, uh, you can give both things to both people. Right, you can have the auto leveling, and you can have people be able to play the game and just grind away to their heart's content. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can offer things to both people, maybe, and make it rewarding in a way that different people can enjoy it. Because to me, you're not going to convince me that this isn't a waste of time. <laughs> it's a complete waste of time <laughs> to physically be in front of a keyboard doing menial, trivial tasks over and over again. Yeah. So I don't see any difference of it. Another kind of t- Closely related aspect of that is JRPG random battles. Most most random battles. Okay. Not every game is guilty of this, but for the most part, these random battles in JRPGs are just a series of 20 to 30 battles that pop up before you fight a boss, and they require no brain activity to defeat. It's do your biggest damage spells, heal yourself at the end of it, keep going, rest before the boss, and then you fight the boss, and maybe that has some strategy or tactics to it. You're talking about, you know, when you're traversing the world map, and it goes... Right, that exact sound. Yeah, and then those three monsters show up, and your team shows up, and you're like, fight! Yep, I exactly. You're playing Final Fantasy or any of those types of games, you have this aspect of, I'm just walking through the world, minding my own business, these monsters attack me, okay, cool, I have to go beat this battle that yeah. I've essentially already fought 300 times just with different reskinned enemies, because yeah. they're not offering any sort of different gameplay aspects versus what the previous 300 enemies have offered me. Ooh, you know what you reminded me of, though? I can think of a game that had that kind of JRPG random 
random encounter thing, and they did it really well. Which game? Fallout 2. So, as you progress through the game, you will have these, as you're traveling from point A to point B between okay. towns, you would have JRPG-style random encounters. Oh, yeah, just like the overall map encounters. Right, uh, yeah. And so, what was great about Fallout 2 is that the more you progressed in the game, the more bizarre they became. Right? So, you would find, if you remember from Monty Python, The Holy Grail, right. the bridge... You would encounter that, and a guy would ask you three questions, and if you answered them all correctly, he would explode. Another one is you would find a downed runabout from from Star Trek, and you would see a bunch of red shirt, char- you know, red shirt characters dead on the ground. Sure. You could even find like a laser gun from one of them, which is kind of neat. That uh, is neat. And so, especially once you beat the game, because you can keep playing the game after it's done, after you've ostensibly beat it, the chance of the kind of fun, bizarre, Easter egg-y finds would increase dramatically. So you'd start hitting all of them. Cool, that's a good reward. You can actually see it all. Yeah, and so with Fallout, what was cool about Fallout 2 is that it wasn't always just, oh, here you are in the desert, you got to fight another mole rat. Oh, you're here in the desert, you got to fight a couple raiders. It's like, oh, you're here in the desert, and, oh, that's weird. Why is that guy standing by the bridge? You know, Or, oh, that's strange. That's a runabout from Star Trek on the ground. I also felt even the random, random encounters that didn't have an interesting aspect to them in Fallout 2 weren't super frequent first. And two, they added something to the world where, okay, I'm encountering this, I don't know, these monsters, these scorpions or whatever. Yeah. And you kill them. You're like, okay, this is kind of building the world a little bit. But you didn't encounter them so much that it got annoying. Yeah. And it's also a good way to, like, honestly get gear, level up, get money. So by the time you get to your next location, you got loot to sell to get money so you can buy better things. I mean, and that is why JRPGs have those random battles, is so that you can get gold, so you can get experience, so that you can do that. But I think there's a much better way of handling that. I would actually rather see JRPGs go the route of, at different points in the story, you just automatically level up. Mm -hmm. So it's not tied to, oh, I killed all these monsters, great. No, it's just, I beat this boss. Everyone gets to level up. Now you have some cool choices to make on how you want to spend your points. I'd rather see that than just Doing trivial tasks yeah. to get to that same point. Uh, that's actually kind of how Delta Green, like the Call of Cthulhu leveling system is. It's mm-hmm. basically at the end of a chapter that the, the dungeon master says, okay, you all gain a level, and then you just do it. And it's not experience-based. It's just you've gotten to a certain point, and he's decided now you get to level up. When I played D&D, the DMs have always done the same thing of just, hey, it's time to level up now. And I find that more rewarding than just telling experience points through monsters that you've killed. Yeah, because you don't want to like start grinding in a tabletop game, right? No, that's, that's, that's even worse. That's the worst thing you that can do. That is absolutely yeah. the worst. But it's honestly not that much better on a computer. It's just that a computer, it's quick, it's easy, you don't have to do any of the manual calculations yourself. Right. The gameplay element isn't any better, though. It's just that it's handled a little bit more in an automated fashion. Yeah, it still sucks. Yeah, so why do it? Why are there all these elements of, I'm just wasting my time doing this stuff? Uh, one thing uh, that I liked, our, our friend Billy made, you know, makes RPGs. Yep. Uh, Cosmic Star Heroine, his most recent game, one of the cool things that you would go through is... And I guess all his previous games, too, there would be a certain number of battles that you would have to fight. Mm-hmm. And then after that, there was no more random battles until you got to the boss. There's usually just enough battles so you could get leveled up. Oh, and you would limit. usually fight an enemies just enough. They're like, okay, I've gotten the shtick of these enemies. I know how to beat them. I can move on. But you could click a button to just grind for experience. So you could just grind to your heart's content on these battles as much as you wanted to. Okay. But for the most part, people who don't like wasting their time grinding on trivial battles could fight the early battles, get used to your new abilities, 
uh, see a few new enemies, and then you're on to the boss, and you're on to the next stage of the game. Yeah. And that's one thing I've liked about their games is they've made it a point not to waste players' time uh, in that aspect. Have you talked to Billy about this? Uh, I'm sure I brought it up. Does he go by I think he goes Bill? by Bill. Bill? Yeah, Mary's his Billy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's the weird thing. Growing up, like, your friends start going by adult names. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I've always... Yeah, you know. Yeah. So uh, that is one thing they've definitely done very well. You should shout yeah. out his company's name, too. Game. Yeah, Z-Boyd Games. Z-Boyd Games. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to play... It's on my... I downloaded it. I've got it. I just haven't played it yet. Mm-hmm. I think my computer at work could actually run it, even though it can't run... It, it should. The combat in the game is very good. Sweet. Uh, very, very good for a JRPG, especially. Uh, I... The last thing I had to talk about is animation pauses. Uh, there's some games where you are playing the game and your character stops to do something very trivial and silly. Okay. Uh, the biggest offender I'm aware of because I've played the game so much is XCOM 2. Yeah, you said earlier this is my number one game. I did. And it is, but no game is perfect. I'm going to need you to kind of help me with this one. I'm not yeah, sure. I'm, I'm going to go okay. through it. So. There are essentially these animation pauses in the game, I guess, for effect. I don't know exactly why they do them, but it's after you've done certain tasks like throwing grenades, uh, shooting aliens, using certain abilities, okay. getting a kill on an enemy, or going into cover behind something. Give me the throwing a grenade example. So, you're, you... so you throw a grenade, okay. right, and alien explodes. The camera goes back to your character mm-hmm. for an extra second past what it should. You throw your grenade, and maybe a reasonable time to go back to your character mm-hmm. is a second, let's say. I don't know what the right number is, but let's say a second. Just, then you're talking about the camera just panning back. Camera goes back to your guy. And then you can do something. And Well, you're not doing anything. You're just watching it happen. Right? Okay. So your character's reaction is, hey, okay, I threw a grenade. Great. And after a second, you're like, okay, that's about the right amount of time. But two seconds is too long. Okay. So, something like that. I don't know what the exact time values are, but usually most things last between one to three seconds longer than it should. There's actually a mod called Stop Wasting Time for XCOM that <laughs> wow. I, I've actually never played without because I've always kind of hated wasting time. And okay. as soon as I saw the mod, it's one of the most recommended mods also for playing the game on right. PC as well. If so you I got it. We can throw a link to it in the description of yeah. this video. Uh, the it, podcast. And so it takes uh, about one to three seconds off of each of these silly animations in the game that adds these extra pauses. Mm-hmm. Those add up, I'm estimating, to about two minutes per mission, based on how frequently all these things occur. Okay. You will play between 30 and 40 missions over the course of a campaign. So that's over an hour of time that's just wasted, doing absolutely nothing except hanging on this animation for longer than it should. Uh, right? okay. Just like watching you guys sit there, essentially. I mean, that's what that's what you're doing for these one or two seconds at a time. So you figured out it's probably at least an hour's worth across the playing of the game. Right. And if you play multiple campaigns, it's multiple hours. Yeah. You're just imagining yourself just sitting there staring at the screen watching your character sit there. Right. So at some point, it gets pretty darn frustrating. Yeah, it sucks. Why is that in the game? <laughs> I don't know. No idea. It seems my, my guess is that they're doing it for effect, like I said. You know, you got a kill, and now you go back to your guy, or you go to the alien. It's like, whoa, he's dead. And it's like, well, whoa, he's, he's character, still dead. Is the character doing anything in this? this or is just literally standing there? Uh, he's sort of completed his animation, so he's just sort of standing there. Okay. We could, we should like write an email to them and be like, hey, we love your game, but 
Yeah, but they, they're just going to say... Actually, they're not going to say anything. They but, course, yeah. but they would, if you were to ask them in person and they had to respond, say, just go download the mod, we don't care, we did our work, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Something to that effect. Right. So why, why isn't that a game? I don't know. Uh, other games and cutscenes have been guilty of just having extra animations. Mm-hmm. Uh, parts of other games you might play, you might just kind of notice little things here and there that don't seem super big in the grand scheme of things, but maybe add up to something over time. I don't have other examples off the top of my head because XCOM is the one that's just sort of dominated my mind because gotcha. there's definite numbers I can assign to everything. Right. But there are games that I've gone through, and if you play a lot of games, you'll probably notice, I would say one out of every 10 to 15, there's going to be these weird animation pauses that you don't understand, and you won't really notice until you... Yeah. Kind of set your sight on it. You know, there's things that you don't really notice so, unless you're looking for so it. What you're saying is you just ruined a whole bunch of games for me and everyone listening. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> your welcome, <laughs> question mark. Yeah. But, but the good thing is if you play games that waste your time through traveling or trivial content, you're wasting so much time on that already yeah. that these animation pauses will be a godsend. I, so think about the positive. I don't really think that works think, logically. I don't care. Just, <laughs> Think about just, the positive. Just feel good about it. Yay. So, yeah, this is one of my biggest complaints with games. Yeah. There are other aspects, but these three things are the biggest awful mess <laughs> that, for some reason, developers are still going forward with. And I'm glad that some developers, like Pillars of Eternity, the yeah. Obsidian, has tried to solve it in different ways. But And, you know, mods luckily exist to solve problems in XCOM. A lot of these things that are baked into the core gameplay yeah. that needs to stop. <laughs> I can and, tell and you're upset because you're waving your pen around a lot. This is, <laughs> lots of gesticulation is happening lot, right now. I'm, I'm being <laughs> real Italian right now. I'm moving my hands a lot to emphasize the point of what's going on here. So I hope that as games continue to mature and improve as they have since their inception, mm-hmm. that these will be things that will slowly go by the wayside because there's a lot of genres in here that I do enjoy, yep. uh, especially the isometric RPGs that I've been playing for a while. I just don't want to randomly walk back and forth over and over and over. <laughs> Stop it. So that's all I had to say on that. All right. That was pretty good. Yep. And now we'll talk about DreamHack yeah. in a very short amount of time. All right. Break time. Hey, welcome back to part three. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about DreamHack. Um, can we get some history on this first? Yeah, give us, give us the history so, lesson. I did a deep, deep dive into Wikipedia. <laughs> See the, the background? We're going to read Wikipedia to you. Yeah, that's all this podcast is. It's like, yeah, it's just, yeah. um, <laughs> so DreamHack is a big esports tournament, cosplay contest, slash LAN, LAN party. Actually, Expo Hall. It actually holds a Guinness Book of World Records for the largest LAN party. For the original location? Yeah, yeah, for the original location. It's originally from Sweden? It's originally from Sweden. So it started out with a bunch of uh, kids playing in the basement of an elementary school in a town called Malung, Sweden. Cool. I bet a whole bunch of Swedish people just started laughing at me. For yeah. Does it, does it have like umlauts or anything? No. It's yeah, umlaut just, free. Oh, cool. Umlaut free. Since, umlaut free since 93. Yeah. yeah so That's their motto. In, weird. in the 90s, uh, they started playing in the basement. About 94, they moved into their cafeteria. Woo. And that was the first time they ever called it Dream Hack. Mm. And since then. They dreamed of good food. I have no idea. 
But since then, it has grown to this massive thing that is played all over Europe. It was all, all over Europe for a long time. Again, they got the largest land for the Guinness Book of World Records. They also had the fastest internet connection for a festival like this, I guess. I don't really know exactly what that means, but you know what? That's, that's underrated. No, we remember, I don't know if you remember, but I remember at QuakeCon when we went there, the yeah. internet was awful. Oh, it was terrible. I mean, this was 20 years ago almost, yeah. so hopefully it's improved by then. I mean, it's a it big, was terrible, though. You, you couldn't hardly do anything. To hold that day, if yeah. you had 56K, you would have been like, this is way better than what I'm experiencing here. <laughs> That's how bad it was. Yeah. So, so their internet was actually, it's actually pretty good. Yeah, so the, well, so uh, the first, uh, well, actually, before I get to the 2016 time date stamp, uh, mm-hmm. 2012 is when they partnered with Major League Gaming and the Electronic Sports League to start bringing in the pro circuits. And then in uh, May of 2016 is the first time they ever held one on the continental United States. And that was actually here in Austin. Very cool. So I was there. You were there. I went to the inaugural U.S. Oh, Dream Hack. That's right. I remember that. I was, cause I was downtown, I think, and you were also there. And yeah, that's we were extent of my downtown. We had, <laughs> I saw some esports. We walked around, had a good time. I remember, yeah, now Aaron and I walked over. We just walked past the convention to see people in costume, and it was kind of... Yeah, kind we, of I went with uh, Rachel and my wife, and then our friends, Travis and Emily. Oh. We had a good time. That's it was an elongated double date. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's coming. So you and I are going this weekend. I don't have, what do you want to talk about? I mean, it's a preview. We're going we're gonna to try to record while we're there. Certainly the thing I'm most excited about abort, abort. Uh, is the esports aspect. There's a lot of fighting games there, a yeah. lot of fighting games. They have eight, if I'm recalling correctly. Uh, I play three of them, playing Dragon Ball, Street Fighter, and Tekken. Signed up for those. Awesome. Pretty darn excited. I've been <laughs> I've been training on my Tekken for the past few weeks ever since I played at Texas Showdown and yep. got my butt whooped and understood that there's way more to the game than I had ever thought or could have imagined. And me having never played it, you want me to enter this tournament. So I've been I I want you to play one of these games. And <laughs> okay. so I was going through them and I was trying to figure out what is the best game for someone that hasn't really dived into these that you can just yeah. pick up and play relatively quickly and do something productive. And you think I might be able to get and, through at least the first round. So, yeah, and maybe you can get through the first round, depending on what level of people are signing up. Because you played a lot of games. I think you can pick up all this stuff pretty quickly. Let me get the core concepts. And you get the core concepts. Punch, kick. So, so Tekken, I think, is the right answer. Okay. Uh, Tekken is actually the hardest one to play for a long period of time, but it's the easiest one to jump into initially. Okay. And just because the way that the combos work in the game, you can actually achieve things by button mashing in the game. <laughs> you can't really button mash very well and you can't button mash well at all in Street Fighter. In Dragon Ball there is button mashing which lets you do combos, but they're horribly, horribly inefficient. Okay. You can actually perform somewhat efficient combos in Tekken 7, especially with certain characters. So my understanding is you have picked a character that is a button-mashing specialist Yes. for my piece-of-shit skills. Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I think the plan now is we're actually going to take a break to go train. Yep. And I'm going to go play for an hour. Yeah. And that's going to be all the, That's going to be all I get. Yeah, that's going to be all you get, and then we're going to see uh, how it goes. How it goes, yeah. I like it. All right. Excited. Pause. Never <laughs> train. We should get some Eye of the Tiger. All right, trade, tra- training montage. Eye of the Tiger, go. All right, back. 
did it. We played some Tekken. I have now been trained. You uh, are a master. <laughs> you will win all of the things. Yeah, and it's a fun game. So you showed me some of the basic tricks. I'm playing, what's her name? Katarina. The ultimate fan service. The ultimate fan service character. Yeah, there's definitely some fan service characters in all these fighting games yeah. that are a little ridiculous. But fortunately, she's kind of button mashy, easy to play. Mm -hmm. And so I think that means... Um, I might not totally lose. Yeah, you've got some combos in the game that basically just require you to hit the same button over and over. A lot of other characters have multiple strings of different buttons they have to, which yeah. is normally the case. So she gives you an out to, maybe it's not her maximum damage, but you're doing enough damage that if you catch somebody looking, you're able to do a significant portion of their life. Yeah, I, I think I figured out, I got a few tricks, a few mm -hmm. key moves. I'm trying not to overwhelm myself because that'd be way too many, there's way too many things I could do with the character. Right. So my goal is to win, I think, one set. Okay, one one whole set, not like just a game. No, yeah, like I want to go, so it's best of... Like to beat a per another person, yeah. So it's best of five, right? So, and it's, then you get so, each, so each game in Tekken is a best of five. Mm -hmm. And then at tournaments, you will play a best of three games. So that's the set. I'm in, so that's the set. So I'm in a... I'm in a game then. I'm okay, win a one game. game. Yeah. So if okay. I, I want to go. So beat. if you lose two one to someone, that's okay. Yeah, I don't care. Okay. I just want to. I just want to win one. Okay. One game. And the games will also be double elimination, so you'll get at least two, two different opponents. To, okay. To play against. All right. And uh, yeah, it should be fun. I'm excited. I assume I'll be chilling in the losers bracket. Hey, you got a fan at least. Yeah. I'll, I'll be rooting for you. <laughs> Go, John, go! Um, yeah, speaking of tournament stuff, I'm really excited about StarCraft Two. It's yep. going to be cool. I've always been, for whatever reason, a fan of watching StarCraft Two. I don't even play uh, StarCraft Two. I just like watching other people play it because they're really good at it. It's a fun game, actually, to watch. I saw the StarCraft tournament at DreamHack the initial year that I went there. Mm -hmm. It was a best of five or best of seven, and it went pretty much the full distance. Mm -hmm. It was actually a really entertaining match between these two players, the back and forth that they had, and they would adapt to different strategies. And you were telling me about some move that you saw online yeah. that I'm also going to bring it back to you in a minute. Okay. Um, do you want to tell you now? Or? Yeah, go yeah. ahead. So, and this is one reason I do like Star StarCraft, is because you see there's time for players to adjust to a strategy and come back. And that's, a re that's like that can actually happen. And then occasionally you get this, this match, you know, matches like this, where two, two, characters, two guys are playing, they go the distance, right? So they deplete all the resources on the map. They are running out of the units. They're just burning down, right? And so just chasing each other around the map, trying to finish one another off. Yeah, everything okay. is gone. It's just the last hit wins, essentially. Yeah, so one is Zerg, one is Terran. The Zerg have uh, broodlings, which explode to get close to somebody. Right. Uh, and they can also burrow underground and kind of function like a living landmine, I guess. So the way the guy won the game is... He was baiting the Terran, and he pulled a feint and was able to bury, like, ten of these broodlings without the other guy seeing it. <laughs> Imagine the broodlings are out front, something's behind them, and then the Terran character's behind in the back chasing, right? So he doesn't see the broodlings all the way up. And so he drops those broodlings down, out of just out of sight, runs over them with his guy. His guy, the Zerg, runs over the broodlings. Terran, I'm trying to be specific here. Sure. Terran then runs, gets caught where the broodlings had just been buried. He pops the broodlings up detonates him, kills almost his entire army, and then just turns right back around and mops whatever's left. Yep. Yeah. GG. It's over at that point. Yeah, and I remember watching it, and that was one of those like weird esports moments where suddenly everyone's like cheering and shouting, and they're just like, I can't believe that. The announcer's like, I can't believe that just happened. Oh, my gosh. And 
that's super cool. That was one of my earlier experiences with esports being kind of exciting as real sports, I guess. There is definitely a lot of just pure adrenaline and excitement that can happen with these crazy comebacks. Comebacks are probably the most fun part of esports when somebody is kind of down and out yeah. or they're on the ropes and then they're able to mount a big comeback. Yeah. Just being a part of that is really fun. Yeah. Uh, so you were talking about that a similar thing happened at DreamHack two years ago. It was a Zerg player, maybe it was a Terran player uh, that he was playing against, but similar strategy of baiting him in some sort of manner with those broodlings exploded them. Mm-hmm. That Zerg player won the game. Next game, or won this game two later, similar sort of situation arises where he's trying to bait him, but the Terran player's opponent had learned from that mm-hmm. and essentially only loses a small force but costs the guy all of his broodlings. And that ends up being a deciding point that the Terran is able to actually adjust and go back on the offensive there because cool. they've just yeah. devoted a lot of resources that they've lost. So it can go kind of both ways in the back and forth of learning from your opponent in a best of five or best of seven match. Yeah really creates some interesting interesting strategies as both players kind of evolve to who they're playing against. Yeah, because if both players are good, you shouldn't be able to do the same trick twice. Absolutely. Yeah. You will have learned. Yes. Yeah, so. Especially at that stage where you're in the finals between two prolific StarCraft players. They're, they've seen things and they're going to adapt. Yeah. yeah. So I'm excited to see that. I might also go check out Rainbow Six and the PUBG tournaments. I might just glance in. I'm not really a big fan of either of those games, but it could be cool to watch. It could be fine. Yeah, yeah I'm certainly fine watching a game here or there. Yeah, I'll take a look. But the the StarCraft 2, I'm actually very... I'm going to make Hopefully sure Hopefully they do a better job with seating. Last time I went, there was the big area, which had Counter-Strike Go mm-hmm. playing. Uh, there was a smaller area, which had StarCraft and Heroes of the Storm. Mm-hmm. And the small area was just a little too small. It, you ended up having to stand for big parts of it, which uh, was kind of annoying. Yeah. There was enough uh, seating for the Counter-Strike players in the tournament. I just hope that they've kind of rearranged it a little bit so that we can have an experience and actually sit down for matches that we want to sit down for, mm-hmm. especially as you get closer to finals and there starts getting more and more people just kind of building up. It would be nice to have enough seating to relax and enjoy the finals or semifinals. Mm-hmm. Anyways, this would be fun. So, yeah, I think our plan for the next podcast, we're not going to have a regularly recorded, scheduled podcast. It's going to be gonna be clips, I think, from us from DreamHack. I'm not quite sure how it's going to work out. But, we'll see. We'll yeah. edit it down and get it to a point where we feel like it's fun to listen to. Yeah. So we'll be recording bits and pieces while we're there. And yeah. if it sounds good together, we'll rock it. And if not, we'll come back here and do it again. Yeah, just be like, sorry, it all sucked. <laughs> and we'll, <laughs> we'll still be reminiscing. So either way, you'll get a full dream hack report experience as uh, John plays his first fighting game. Oh my God. I yeah. played my second one. First, there, here we, see, look at this. Career's taking off. There we go. All the fun times in the world are going to happen. Going pro. Going pro. Just That's the first step. All right. Do, do you have anything else? No, I'm good. Cool. I'm do excited. Do you want to do the outro bit? Yeah, so follow us on all of our great social media and websites, whatever fits you the best. You can email us at nosickdayspodcast at gmail.com. You can go check us out on Facebook at no sick days podcast, Instagram, no sick days, and Twitter, no sick days cast. And finally, the easiest way of just finding all of those, if you don't want to remember them, is to go to nosickdayspodcast.com. And that will actually give you all of that information in a way easier to remember format. We may want to rethink how we're plugging all that in. Yeah, but for now, good enough. There you go, yeah. I'm happy. Uh, Well, this is John. This is Chris. And talk to you all from DreamHack. Bye.